hey, welcome to Waking Lions. I know it's been a while. I've been out and about, been pretty busy. If you didn't know, we just opened a second CrossFit gym in Japan called CrossFit Mongoose. Woo! And uh, actually just opened our first coffee shop called Bonton Coffee. You can check us out on Instagram at Bonton Coffee. That's B-O-N-T-E-M-P-S Coffee. And at CrossFit Mongoose. Also got the lovely CrossFit Habu, which is on its third year, hooking and jabbing, doing some great things in the Kadena area as well. So last time I left you guys, we talked a little bit about the science of exercise. I got a lot of questions about what we do specifically with CrossFit, and specifically a lot of questions about the sport of CrossFit. A lot of people, there's this uh, kind of, I guess you would call it misconception, about what CrossFit is. You know, just like you see on ESPN, they think CrossFit's just these super jacked chicks and super jacked dudes who are like bodybuilder muscular, just slinging around weights at this unhealthy rate and their their shoulders and knees are going to explode. So I do want to talk to you a little bit about the importance of the process of CrossFit and the respecting the two, I guess you would say, if you were to look at CrossFit as a modality, let's, we would split it up into CrossFit as a functional fitness method and then CrossFit as a sport. So today you can find two types of those, those CrossFit things. One is the awesome exercise routine that we all fall in love with, which consists of functional movements done at high intensity for the betterment of our health, right? We all go into CrossFit with the idea of looking great naked. Um, And then you have the other side of CrossFit, which is the sport of CrossFit, just like you see on ESPN. I believe it's on CBS now. And CrossFit, the sport, is going to continue to grow. It's continuing to grow in popularity, whether that popularity is positive or negative, popularity is popularity. So with the growth in that popularity, um, especially on the positive side, more and more athletes, and I I would consider everybody in our gym, every human that moves um, an athlete, right? Uh, They're coming to the mix of the sport and they're wanting to compete at some sort of level, whether it be at an intramural level, a moderate, some sort of high level, but nonetheless, they want to kind of measure their level of fitness in an environment that is competitive in nature. So, uh, and, and these people arise from all walks of life, right? You've got former college sport players to ultra marathon runners to former Marines, wink, wink, to, you know, just even your regular old Joe or Jane, you know, mom who's been sitting at home taking care of the kids and she's kind of tired of it to, to dad who's been out of the military or not even in the military and he's just been going to college while his wife's been, you know, Paying the bills. The bottom line is they all have one thing in common. They lack patience. <laughs> so these athletes feel that because they found success in their, uh, in their former endeavors or, you know, they, they were successful in some sort of thing in the past, uh, they will automatically find this success in CrossFit, right? Wrong. Yes, the potential for success is there. And as a coach, you know, I'm going to drool over it, over what you can be for us, um, as well as what you can be for other people, right? And I mean that in an inspirational sense. But there is a process to getting better, right? There is a process. You know, a lot of people, f- they, they forget about that process. They just, they, they don't, 
they either know it's there and they don't value it, they don't trust it, or they assume and think that it's easier um, another way. So, for example, you, you, you can't just pick up a baseball, right, and become a professional uh, major league pitcher. You can't just pick up a football and become a professional football player in a year um, unless you just have, you're a genetic God-given freak, which that is less than the 1% who actually are doing CrossFit. That's less than 1% of the 1% who are actually doing CrossFit as a sport anyways. Those are the Rich Fronings and the Matt Frasers out there. Um, and bottom line, talent can only take you so far anyway. So just like anything else, you have to develop the little things first. And those little things, with a ton of determination and a little bit of luck, just might help you accomplish your goals and of going to or competing in CrossFit as a sport at a high level. So first thing is you got to respect the process. You know, as a strength and conditioning coach, as a CrossFit coach, I make one thing clear to individuals who want me to train them at that level. You have to trust and respect the process and also value the process. There is a progression for everything. So, and if true results are going to be achieved, then hard work and dedication are required. In the gymnastics domain or the gymnastics modality of CrossFit, you must have your strict movements down first. A stable base and lots of core stability are going to have to be developed before higher skilled movements can be performed. That's a gimme. And if this is not developed, you're going to have catastrophic injuries. I've witnessed this from every walk of life an athlete who's tried movements well beyond their means, and then they blame it on the method instead of uh, blaming it on their arrogance. So sometimes doing a movement improperly over and over again is not intelligent because, well, you, you just can't do it, right? So why would you continue to do that? I want you to think about that next time. I am not a fan. I am not a fan of, sorry, somebody was <laughs> looking at me outside. I am not a fan of going into a situation, going into working, uh, doing a workout and moving inefficiently. I'm a fan of a three-tiered process, which I continue to preach to this day, which is mechanics, consistency, and then intensity, right? Those are the three things that we need to think about when we are trying to get better at this sport of CrossFit. So athletes sometimes just need to go back to the drawing board in order to develop the movement in general, getting back to the mechanics of the movement. That can be one of the most frustrating things is Having to be told, having somebody who is objective telling you, hey, man, I'm sorry, but you suck. And the only way to get better is to dial down your intensity, dial down the amount of times we do this movement um, at, a, at, a, at a rapid rate, and, and let's just work on the mechanics of the movement. Sometimes, sometimes people just can't, they, they can't wrap their head around this because this can mean additional months of strength and skill development, which people hate doing. They, they just want a quicker solution. And I hate to break it to you, but sometimes there's no magic coaching word or there's no tactile cue I can give you to get you in a position that you're looking for to, to move well. It just, it just ain't going to happen, uh, unfortunately. Uh, it just takes that hard work and, and time. Um, 
Uh, why? Hey, you just can't do it. It just is what it is. You're not gonna, you're not strong enough or technically proficient, at least for now. So it's important to understand that although you have the potential, there is a curve, a learning curve to everything. So for my strength and conditioning coaches out there, for my CrossFit coaches out there, if you have an athlete that is truly willing to work at accomplishing his or her goals, or you are this athlete, here's some tips I want you to remember. Listen to the body, all right? Don't get caught up in three days on, one day off kind of uh programming scheme that is traditional CrossFit. That is a base. That is a base that they teach at level two that you should work around. I had an athlete, she tries to get in every single day and sometimes she she can't, but she still does it anyways. And it and it just destroys her, right? And I had to I had to tell her the other day, hey look, sometimes you just can't get those workouts in. And I will understand that. I mean you're a full time nurse. You know, you're working wild-ass shift work. My expectation is not quantity, it's quality. I would rather you get in four quality days of work in the gym versus five shitty days of work in the gym. Even three quality days of work in the gym than five shitty days of work. You know, this... 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 This generalized work ratio that work to rest rate rest day ratio that we all try to wrap ourselves around it's just it, it's kind of uh it's kind of poisoning the well of quality um programming and quality uh coaching uh so we need to get away from that if your body's telling you to stop just listen coaches if you've got athletes that are telling you their bodies are, are achy don't tell them to suck it up have a conversation with them Figure out what's going on and either work around the injury or if the injury is so problematic, hey, take, take, a, take some rest. It's, it's not the end of the world. James Hobart's a good example. One, the, the year that he won the Open, I believe, it, I believe it was the year he won the Open, he took like three months of rest off. And uh, Austin Maliallo, his, his, his BFF, got so butthurt about it. It's out there in the, in the Google world. That he was like, why won't you train with me? I just give me some rest. I need to rest. I need to rest. And that was his best year ever. I believe he won the Open that year. He came in top three that year. But nonetheless, it goes to show you that rest and recovery are just as important, if not more important, than training. Specifically, competing in the CrossFit uh, games or competing in CrossFit competitions, is re- it's going to require you to be strong. So the basis of a solid program will always be strength. This is in regards to both weightlifting and gymnastics. If you work on building a, stro- a stronger base in all your domains, then the rest are going to fall into place. So once a sound strength base has been established, then it's important to work on the, on the mastery of those skills. But in order to get you strong, you can't get caught up in lifting all the time. That is a thing that people can't wrap their heads around, that they need to do every workout in the sight in sight in pursuit of or in sight of getting better, so they need to do the same things over and over. You must understand to build strength, you must rest. People ask me, hey, you're 35 years old and you can snatch 260 pounds and you can back squat a lot of weight. I don't really know what I can back squat right now, to be honest, but I, you know, I, I can deadlift like 540, 550-ish pounds. How can you do that? 
and still be able to move well because I don't back squat all the time. I don't deadlift all the time. I don't snatch all the time. I don't clean all, you know, I'm not one of those guys who hashtag every day I'm cleaning or hashtag I'm snatching it. That's just a, that's a, if, if you're, if you haven't been injured already, you're going to be injured soon enough. So don't do it. I mean, the body repairs and strengthens in the time between workouts. So continuous training is going to actually weaken you. You got to think about it. Recovery days are the only way possible to restore muscle tissue breakdown to actually make you stronger. So it's okay to take a few days off. It's okay not to clean for like a month. It's okay not to snatch for a few months. It's not the end of the world if you don't do a strength cycle for a month. It's okay to only work out one day and then rest the then you need to rest day the next. I mean, one. I mean, you should never be in a perpetual soreness. Listening to your body is crucial. Number two, you got to let those injuries heal. I can tell you this from personal experience. Good friend of mine, Ed Haynes. I uh, he's the one who sat me down and well told me like, look, man, you need to fix your injuries. I was just kind of working through them, right, and uh, it, we all get it, right. Tweaks and injuries are just part of the sport. It's inevitable as intensity rises that you're going to injure yourself. And especially with the amount of training a competitive CrossFitter does, it's going to be easy to tweak something or just have some sort of old injury flare up. Me, mine being either my right wrist or my right adductor. So it's, it's beyond important to stay healthy, not only to live a full life, but particularly when you're preparing for a competition. So you have to let small injuries get better or they can lead to larger ones. The longer you ignore these injuries, the longer it's going to take for them to heal. Don't be too proud to scale, to change a movement, to work around a movement. Uh, we don't want to elongate the healing process. Remember, if you're competing in CrossFit as a, as a sport, you're in this for the long haul, and it's important to see the bigger picture as opposed to trying to be a badass in front of your buddies or your, or your competitive athletes, other competitive athletes, or just your gym members for one day. I mean, the old mantra, work smarter, not harder, rings true here. Number three is you need to understand volume. And this is a big one that I'm going to kind of talk a lot about. And because, and this is, the, this is probably the, the biggest piece of this podcast, is a lot of people don't understand volume. You need to understand the volume you're doing on a daily and weekly basis especially in regards to the amount of repetitions you're doing of a given movement, the amount of load you're stressing, stressing your skeletal system with, and the movement combinations that you are hitting. Um, you got to make sure you have a plan and it's understood by you and your coach. That, that is important. If you, don't, if you as a coach haven't at least Skyped with an athlete, sat down with an athlete, had a five-minute conversation, and at least given them your plan, and, that, and it could be as simple as, hey, we're doing a intensification cycle right now, or we're doing a low intensity strength cycle with minimal mixed modal training, or we're not doing any mixed modal training right now. We're going to try to work on a little base work. You know, we're going to work on some unilateral training because you have a deficiency in your right hip. I mean, whatever the case may be, you need to communicate that with your athlete and the athlete, you need to reciprocate that to your coach and communicate with your coach as well. Do not just trust the programming because you assume all CrossFit is created equal. It's not. As random as, as it may seem, boxes and coaches have plans in place. I'm a coach. I'm a box owner. I know. 
I personally pay attention to the volume of training that I'm giving my athletes. I'm not just throwing random stuff on the board and hopefully it sticks. But it's also important for you to understand how this volume is going to affect you and the athlete. You have to know how your body's going to react. You've got to know how their body's going to react to high rep squat workouts, for example, high rep pressing workouts, running, rowing, gymnastics. You know, if you do 300 double unders on a Monday, does it really make sense to do 50 box jumps on a Tuesday? I mean, what are the risks? What are the benefits? So what would I suggest doing? Keeping a log. You need to understand how you feel after a ton of shoulder and leg movements, for example. Do the math. If you hit a three-round, five-rep workout of clean and jerks, and then you decide to hit 30 reps of snatches the following day, you know, for example, you're totally nearly, you know, hypothetically, if you're doing any type of weight on, or if you're doing any type of heavy load lifting, that's 3,000 pounds of load in one day and 4,000 pounds of load the next day. So yes, the weight is lighter on day two, but you've just loaded almost 1,000 pounds more than the day before and with virtually the same movement. So depending on the person, this can place significant stress on your body and possibly lead to overuse injury or serious neuromuscular fatigue. And neuromuscular fatigue can last for several days, can affect your workouts, lead to frustration upon trying to hit some sort of PR or benchmark in a competition. And then from there, you know, it all, all goes downhill and then you just, you know, you, you, you turn into an alcoholic and then, you, you know, you, you start going to the Globo gym and you decide CrossFit's stupid, <laughs> but it's really not. So learn your thresholds, right? What kind of volume can your body handle and still perform at high levels? Some people need little recovery while others require a lot. Once again, it's all about a listening game for you when it comes to your body, and you need to communicate with your coaches. This also applies to general fitness classes, right? So if you're in a general fitness class or you're, you're just general population, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't listen to your body, right? If, you, if this, this stuff applies and can apply to everyone, not just competitive athletes. So I just want to kind of preface that. Following, so following these three guidelines are going to help you get better at the sport of CrossFit is what we just talked about. So we talked about number one, listening to your body. Number two, let injuries heal. And then understanding volume. It's important to understand this learning curve. And it's also important to know that it's different for everybody. It's not only about learning movements. It's also about learning how your body reacts to them. In CrossFit, you have to be willing to crawl before you can walk. You can't get caught up in leaderboarding. You can't get caught up in what your buddy's doing to your right, what Jane, Joe is doing to your left, what Jason is doing in front of you. You must be willing to learn. Take a coach's advice, take proper cues, and just stick to consistent programming. Um, if, you, if you do that, right, you'll see the fruits of your labor. They're a lot more sweeter. So the land, you get, and then lastly, the landscape of CrossFit competition training has been much more sport specific. So just like any other sport, you must now do things in training that will make you better at that exact sport. Understand that as, an, as you undergo any type of stress or a physical exercise, your body is going to adapt and will become more efficient. So once you've adapted to that given stress, now we have to kind of manipulate that and move to a different type of stress or you'll be required some sort of additional stress so you can continue progress. So an example of that of adaptation would be pull-ups. So if you were to do pull-ups and you can do you get on a, a bar and you can do 20 strict pull-ups or you've worked up to that 20 strict pull-ups but now you're starting to plateau, 
it's not that you're not getting stronger. It's just your body is adapting to the stresses of that specific movement. So how do we continue that linear path uh, specifically with your pulling movements? Well, we can change up your training adaptation to something like rope pull-ups or L-sit pull-ups on a rope. Um, we can also do pegboard pull-ups. We can do uneven pegboard pull-ups. We can do... Um, we can progress to the kipping pull-up. We can progress to the butterfly pull-up. That's why you see people do those things. It's not because it's really cool or anything like that. It's about adaptation. That's what it is. And the only way to adapt to this to stress is to practice, 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 and rest. And the gym, the gym is where you train and where in your competition floor is where you're going to put forth that effort that you did in the training. So for those of you who want to compete in CrossFit, you want to compete in the sport of fitness, work on your development, right? If you let developmental progressions take their course and all things specifically related to CrossFit as a sport, you will get better, I promise. Sometimes we all just need to stop and enjoy what it means to improve, right? That's the bigger issue here, right? Is enjoy the process, Right? It's not about numbers sometimes. It's not about hitting PRs all the time or um, you know, uh, having to go to the, you know, trying to make five days a week at the gym. A lot of it's about just valuing and enjoying the process. Put a smile on your face. This is why you know, you're in CrossFit, right? This is why you love CrossFit. You have to, you have to remember that. A lot of people, they, they forget that. They get into CrossFit, they want to compete. They want to uh, they want to go hard in the paint, and they they forget about the bigger the bigger picture of what CrossFit is, right? They at, at the end of the day, and we're just let's just talk about the process in general. And, and this is something I said to my members earlier today on a Facebook post post that was actually said to me um, by a coach of mine. Um, value the process; it's more important than the outcome. Uh, what we need to stop doing or what we, what's happening is we're becoming so hyper-focused on the numbers and the outcomes that we forget to appreciate the journey. And we're just going to burn out, right? So how about just being in it for the process? Do the things out of fulfillment and curiosity rather than expectations. So you need to appreciate the things you're working towards. That's the reward. It's not about hitting those big numbers. I mean, that's really cool and all, but at the end of the day, it's about enjoying the process. So remember, if you do this, you will find yourself in a satisfying place, regardless of how you compete, regardless if you do compete, regardless of where you are. And life will be that much more better. So, hey, I appreciate your time. Uh, this I know this was kind of a long one, but I got somebody who just walked in. They just jumped on the Aerodyne. That would be Will, my general manager's husband. And uh, yeah, he loves to make a lot of noise. So I'll talk to you guys later. This is Jay. Peace.